0: My name is Joseph Gallivan, and you're listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland. My guest this week is Hannah Tice. Hannah is talking about her new show, Aphelion, which is on at Blackfish Gallery through January 27th. And Blackfish is now at 938 Northwest Everett. Thanks very much for doing Art Focus in person, Hannah.
1: Lovely to, to be here with you, Joseph. Thank you.
0: This is your first full gallery show. You became a blackfish member last year, and you come out of the graphic design world, the purely digital world. you were dissatisfied with that kind of as a job and then also as a way of making art and then you just kind of broke through into this new collage uh, these are These are big collages 3 d mounted on. Um, <clears throat> mounted on kind of black backgrounds. So first of all, we have to know what the title means, Aphelion, A-P-H-E-L-I-O-N.
1: Yes, I I have a, a small background in astronomy and this, this name of the show, Aphelion, stuck with me as a concept. Aphelion means the farthest point in an orbit. Uh, and to me, that really resonates as a way of conceptualizing darkness in your own personal life you know i think it's a very human experience to find darker moments uh and aphelion is both a moment of the most dark but also a moment of realization and an opportunity to begin a return to yourself and so aphelion to me really is a moment of of hope so it is a is a moment of of hope and acknowledgement that i have lost myself but it's now a new opportunity to rediscover myself return to myself be authentic become vulnerable and uh, begin a a process of healing as well and a return to myself
0: Mm -hmm. the so objects in space they have an orbit but it's usually off it's not circular it's usually elliptical you know so a, a body moves slightly further away at some point um but the one of the one of the first pieces you see is called a filion and it's round so you make these little perspex clear perspex boxes and fill them with things uh little push pins with black heads jet black nails um black beads or beans can't tell what they are and then there's chicken wire that you've sprayed black and then these boxes they do have white elements of Photography, there's a, there's a woman's hands, there's some numbers that are melting, um, <clears throat> human body, a nude, and then it's all set on this black matte painted background. And this one in particular is circular, and listen to this. As you turn it, the little beads and things in the boxes kind of crunch around. Um, so this is like the fun version of what you've been up to why did you pick this one as the title piece Aphelion?
1: This piece in particular represents uh, an aspect of being vulnerable which is relational and I think that part of humanity and being raw and open and honest about your struggles and wanting human connection you have to open yourself up to others and invite others to want to discover you as well and so this piece is an offering of of the rawness the vulnerability the darkness that that can consume our souls and and opening it up and inviting someone to want to inquire to want to discover and want to to share and validate that experience so this piece aphelion is an invitation to discover you know what lies within you can't discover it all in one go one look you have to interact in order to discover the entirety of the piece
0: pretty complicated I, I forgot to mention there's um kind of sh- shiny black sand in one of the boxes too um i mean it's kind of like something you see at omsi right where you're invited to step up and touch things and move things and watch things is that just something you couldn't know how to show without at least one thing you could touch
1: yes a hundred percent i i i wanted to have something that really embodied the aspect of human connection. And I think there's something about observing a piece and finding yourself in it, but to be able to interact with a piece and find yourself in it, I think that really is a way of connecting, you know, my one soul thread to whoever comes up to this piece and interacts with it and then connects with it. It's, it's, it's such an embodiment of what vulnerability truly means. It is a collaborative relational dance. And I, and I hope that's what this piece
0: encapsulates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At the left end of the gallery, here in Blackfish, um, one of the bigger pieces is called, well, well it's called Untitled. Um, it's a big black rectangle. You've built more of these, these clear boxes, which you build from scratch. Um, and then you've put things in them, like there's a, looks like a piece of coral, more of these shiny black beads. Black mesh but behind it <clears throat> on the on the painted wood there is this thicker paint it's it's also black but it's kind of textural you know like you've used you've squished it down and lifted something up and there's also what looks like tape black tape sheets of clear plastic which um have photos somehow on them or behind them and then uh that that um, dymo tape you know that you punch and the black turns white because of pressure that used to be for labeling um, <clears throat> there's so much going on in this how How do you just know what direction you're going in as you work like how do you decide, okay, paint, plastic, you know coral
1: oh. You know, it's not a linear process at all, and it can be really messy, and it depends on the piece. You know, some pieces come together in four hours, and some take four <laughs> weeks. And I never know what it's going to look like at the end. I started this piece with the idea of having the, the dried coral as a centerpiece, as sort of a totem, a, um, a moment to pull it all together as a an element of a decay and death, but also beauty And so I sort of start with a focal point and from there build out a conversation. And so each of these elements are having a conversation with all of the elements together. And it's a matter of me being surrounded by hundreds of pieces of materials in my studio and spending hours at a time gradually parsing down materials. I think this shiny piece goes really well with this matte piece and this tape here really you know brings this element together so it's a dance and it's not even me engineering it but rather me responding to the materials and the way they present themselves to me you know the creation of some of these textures like the smashed acrylic is something that I can't really control or how it appears, you know, I peel apart the paper and the pattern reveals itself to me. And then I get the opportunity to use that element in a way that I want to. So it's a bit of a back and forth and I don't always have control. And by the end of it, usually it's just a a smattering of, of scraps, but on the canvas, it's the final edited elements. And then it's just figuring out how those elements really want to sit together
0: you have a home studio right which is set up it sounds almost like a crafting studio you've got hundreds of different things you could draw upon to drop into a collage could you describe what you have there
1: (laughs) It, it looks like a bit of a mess all the time but it's the best kind of mess because i know where everything's at and i know that i have hundreds of different types of you know, plastic fruit netting that I can go and grab off the shelf and spray paint and then include as netting in my materials. It's like a warehouse of materials you never expect to be used in art and and I've given myself permission to collect items from wherever and use them in a way to communicate uh, tactile feelings and abstract emotions in a way that I don't think I could with, with a realistic painting or a photo. For me these these materials form a dialogue in a way that I don't think I could achieve uh, with other aspects. So, my studio is a bit of a mess. It's a it's a bit of a fun mess. Uh, and,
0: uh, <laughs> but it's well away from your your you know, 38-inch monitor where you have to do your work, right?
1: It is as far away as possible. It is my, my precious space where I can shut out the world and just get entirely lost in material and uh, an abstraction and a real tactile practice Mm -hmm. of self-expression.
0: What's the best black spray paint?
1: I'm currently using a Rust-Oleum textured outdoor spray paint, which gives it a little bit of an extra bite and build to it. So that's currently my favorite black spray paint, but it might change.
0: Textured?
1: (laughs) Yes, it's a textured spray for, like, outdoor furniture. So you get, like, a little bit of a pebbling, and it captures just a slight texture, Mm. rather than it being perfectly smooth and shiny.
0: So you were making prints, and you can find them in the Blackfish sort of uh, store at the front. And and so you were making prints and they were like monoprints where you would go over and over and subtract and take a scratch and add and things like that. And then you had this revelation of what, that you wanted to make this 3D collage. Could you describe that?
1: Yes. So the the my background in printmaking, I've always loved printmaking as a transition from graphic design because it really employed my thinking from graphic design, sort of binary on off, ink yes no, bold mm-hmm. colors. But as I got into mono printing and exploring the use of adding materials like string or netting as a mask in between the plate and the paper, I was really enjoying getting texture in a two D manner. But at a certain point. I was holding these materials in my hand, these nets, these strings, and it was like a, a light bulb moment of, well, I could just use these materials. Why don't I use these materials?
0: So you would put string on just to make a mark and then take it off. Mm-hmm. And then you thought, why don't I want to just leave the string there?
1: Exactly. And it's a, it's a wonderful moment where in, in that one moment, I shifted from the flat page into a three-dimensional space. Mm -hmm. and it feels like I opened a can of worms but it's a really good can of worms it's a fun can of worms
0: (laughs) some of the smaller pieces um to to the right of that large piece these are more untitled they're they're kind of like blocks of wood they're they're thick I know one and a half inch pieces of plywood I think and then you've printed photos on them but it's all very black black and white and um and then you put your clear boxes on top, and then there's like pieces of thickly textured, I think that's paint on top of other blocks. So these are a bit more restrained. Can you talk about the photography mm-hmm. that you use?
1: so i i did start collaging last year and and it was a fun exercise i started collaging as a way to break up my printmaking practice a way to respond to materials in a way where i wasn't creating them and i had started a collection of magazine clippings and a lot of it revolved around hands and bodies and nature and in using them i had a moment where i wanted to drain the color out of these magazine clippings. And so I started to scan the clippings and then edit them in Photoshop and adjust the tones so I could keep the tones together and have them feel more cohesive. But as I was scanning, I had another light bulb and started to manipulate the material on the scanning bed to create distortions of the hands of these materials. And how do you do that? So you you place the clipping onto the scanner Hit go, and then as the scan starts, use your hand and just move the paper around as the scan is going. And I got pretty good at it. You can see the light shine through, and so you can kind of engineer what you think is going to happen. You know, I want these fingers to kind of drip away. And so doing, you know, each one I would do about 50 times until I got one that I was happy with. But once I was happy with it, the distortion really captures a sense of a separation from your physical self a sense of not knowing yourself and a lack of identity. And so the distortions are a way of me reinterpreting magazine clippings in a way that I think infuses them with uh, an element of what I'm trying to capture about a sense of self abandonment and a sense of loss of your own identity and what that feels like physically.
0: When you do a flatbed scan, it can take like 30 seconds. So you would move the paper on the glass And are you looking at a monitor to see the result or you're not going to print the result, are you?
1: No, I am am looking at it from above as it's scanning and in my mind doing the best I can to try and predict... What is happening? And so at this point, you know, I have spent hours doing these scans. So I know exactly how to move. Okay, I go up this way and down this way, and that will make the fingers appear and disappear. I got pretty good at it. (laughs) It took a while. At first, it was messy and it was hard to control. But gradually, I learned that it's just subtle movements here and there just to shift it enough, not to create something that's unrecognizable, but to create something that you know what it is, but it's just off enough to be a little unsettling, you know?
0: the old uncanny
1: yes yes exactly
0: do you think they know about this sweeping and swiping technique at like wine and kennedy
1: (laughs) you know i think it's a technique that's used a lot i've seen a lot of other artists employ this distortion technique with scanning i've even seen somebody who created his own flatbed scanning rig that's mobile and he can take out into nature and do scans of nature so it's a technique that's coming up more and more. And I think it's a really interesting way of bridging the, the analog digital gap mm-hmm. and jumping between analog and digital.
0: My name's Joseph Gallivan. You're listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland. My guest this week is Hannah Tice. Her show, Aphelion, is on now at Blackfish Gallery through January 27th. So Hannah, and the other really big piece is at the opposite wall also called Untitled, uh, again it's a big black painted wooden rectangle. Um, the clear box is arranged across. in a cross. Um, the, what, the biggest one has a black bird's wing, I don't know what kind of bird, and inside that there's some mesh, some tape, what looks like a, a bike brake cable um there's some other feathers there's all sorts of stuff here Oh, there's the distorted fingers and lots of black feathers i mean you know when, when you start bringing blackbirds in you know you're not far from the theme of <laughs> very depressing or dark or evil ideas so tell us about this piece
1: this piece started with a phone call i got from my friend nick who out of the blue called me and said, "Hannah, would you like a crowing?" And it really means that that friend knows me to to give me a call and know that I would indeed like a crowing. And uh, so he had found this crowing in Alberta Park. I think Cooper's hawks had moved into the park and started to uh, attack the crows. And he had found this crowing on the ground. Uh, and and I took it and I, I stripped back some of it and preserved it. And I think it 's a really beautiful piece to include in this work, and I built this entire panel around this wing as a as a way of referencing a loss of your own agency, death, decay, and as a way to tie together you know humanity with nature and I think that you know including my own photography of my own hand with the wing and a feeling of constriction and constraint around it. This piece really tries to capture a sense of helplessness and immobility and uh, a gravity of being pulled into your death. You know, there's some, some dirt and rocks at the bottom that really weigh the piece down and give a sense of a loss of flight and a loss of an ability to escape.
0: When you talk about depression, there seems to be an overlap here between mourning and then the kind of clinical depression um, it, can you make a, that distinction?
1: Mm. There's, there's an aspect of depression where there's the loss of yourself, but the, the more mourning side of it has more to do with the deeper sense of a lack of self. And that's really where the, you know, losing yourself for a period of time in your life, I think that realizing it and coming out of it, there is a process of mourning the time you lost, the, the relationships you lost, the experiences you lost or missed out on, you know. So there's part of the coming back involves a sense of that mourning and an acceptance of what didn't happen or could have happened. Um,
0: People, I don't know, I don't understand depression because I've never had it, but from what I understand, there's more to it than feeling sad and it's kind of like a rabbit hole people get lost in it um talk about this as art therapy how did mm. the f- manipulation of objects to help you express mm. your ideas and feelings about depression
1: I, and i think this is this is where the texture comes into it and where collaging comes into it you know people write songs and music people write books for me, this work and the collaging and the, the textures and the materials, that's my alphabet. That is my way to express what depression felt like. Because it's a felt feeling. It is an emptiness, it is, a, it is a physical thing that you can experience, it is a loss of time, it is a loss of identity. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a writer. And for me, Label maker tape and and crowings and dirt and rocks and that is my way of expressing what that experience felt like, and in a way reaching out to others because I know that there are so many others who have also felt these things, and this is my own way of capturing it and explaining it in the only way I know how, which I guess is through you know lots of duct tape and and crowings <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. do you ever go to? Scrap that place on Burnside?
1: That's my favorite store in Portland.
0: <laughs> well, I was going to say, it's a bit brightly colored for you, but I guess <laughs> just spray everything black that you get there.
1: Between the combination of going to scrap for all of the materials and then stopping off at Ace on the way back to the studio for more, more spray paint, it kind of covers everything I need for the show.
0: <laughs> Is it therapeutic in the sense that you go into making a piece knowing you'll feel a bit better?
1: I'm not so sure it is. I think that for me, it feels more like documentation. It feels more like a recording of my experience rather than a healing. You know, I think the healing is a long time frame, messy, involves a lot of, you know, aspects of healing, therapy, friendships, opening up, self exploration. So the I'm not so sure that the art itself is doing the healing, but I know that the me creating this art and expressing this art is a way for me to look inwards and discover the experience and document it and then stare back at it, reflect on it. So it's it's probably a piece of the puzzle, but it's definitely not you know, the, the key aspect. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily do it to heal. I think it's more of an expression of, I went through this and I feel brave enough to share it.
0: Some of the smaller pieces are, are just frames uh, behind glass in black frames on black paper. Um, they are sort of torn white and gray paper. Then you've got these smears on on clear acetate like you pull the squeegee along with black ink and then there's a bit more mesh so these are totally abstract there are no elements here that i recognize what, where did these um, sort of medium-sized pieces come from?
1: These pieces actually predate the pieces that include more referential photography and distortions. These pieces were some of my first explorations with pure texture and using texture to create a feeling. And so this was the beginning of my building of my alphabet. And so this is like these are like my first poems with these pieces of, of how do these materials create a dialogue together? How can I use aspects of matte and shine and black and white and alignment and uh, you know tearing to really use that contrast to create something that has a a feeling when you look at it? And it's not any particular feeling; it's just something that you want to touch and that your eyeballs can almost feel just by looking at it. Um,
0: in the, as you got going um, you started making these little clear plastic boxes to, the listeners should know they look exactly like what you get Christmas cards in, you know, you buy 12 cards but they're kind of messy, you know, for, for a fanatically tidy graphic designer the, the glue, the welding substance is white and it's sort of, you know makes a mess of all the edges and why did you allow yourself that?
1: Oh, allowing myself. I think it was I had to accept it. And you're right. I, I am very precise. And part of me responded really negatively to how the glue was working with the boxes. You know, I think I set out on this journey wanting it to look more perfect than it does.
0: Well, I would assume you just go on some website and order boxes to the right size that are just perfect looking
1: oh, but imperfection is what I'm after. I think the the crux of this work needs to have elements of imperfection. Humans are so imperfect. The process of separating your inner self into interior boxes and compartmentalizing away the pain and the experience, that's pretty imperfect, and it's messy, and sometimes it is cloudy, and, and you can't see into it. And for me, there's nothing, you know, at this point I can say that the imperfection of the boxes is me leaving behind little pieces of me, you know. The glue is so tacky that my fingerprints would come off sometimes on the boxes, but I think that's I think that's beautiful at this point, you know. I, I grew to accept the fact that the imperfection is necessary and you know, there's nothing more human than making something that's just slightly imperfect and proving that, you know, this isn't this isn't an Apple iPhone made in a factory, but this is These are nearly perfect boxes made by my own hands with my own glue and my own process, you know? And I think there's something beautiful to that. Mm
0: -hmm. You're right. I think our our, uh, notion of beauty has been influenced by the iPhone because when you get one out of the box, they're so nice. Everything's, like, perfect. Um, I had a friend whose daughter was depressed, is depressed, and asked him how to treat her, and he said, just be very kind. And I always wonder whether there is some, for those of us on the outside of depression, is there like some one thing we could do to help or to accommodate?
1: I think that's a beautiful thing to say, to be kind. I think that's, you know, you can't save people. And I think there's an aspect to it of, of being there and supporting but also knowing you can't fix and you can't solve. And all you can do is be there. And sometimes it's hard to be there for people who are are feeling lost, you know? And I think that for me, having people that were there for me the entire time, and as I come back on my orbit from the farthest point and they're still there, happy to, you know, with open arms to accept me back for who I am now and, and healing and be there and see me and witness me and validate me, I think that's what you can do, you know
0: My name is Joseph Gallivan you've been listening to Art Focus on KBOO Portland my guest this week was Hannah Tice her show Ophelion is on now at Blackfish Gallery which is at 938 Northwest Everett and it runs through January 27th. Thanks very much for doing Art Focus, Hannah, for putting words to go along with your amazing art.
1: Thank you so much, Joseph. It's been a pleasure.